There's a saying, and you've heard it before, it's in that sermon outline there, it's just the introduction, it's seeing is believing. Seeing is believing. You may have said it about lots of things, you may have said it about God, you may have said it about the latest product, seeing is believing. Now you may or may not have heard of this product called Co. K-O-H. You may have heard of Co, you may not have, but there's products like this that kind of like, you first see them and you wonder, is this a cult? Like, it's like there's like um, products like this that I've come across in my marriage to Amy, uh, perhaps even beforehand. My Before I was married to Amy, my future father-in-law was a, um, oh, it's Enyo. He was an Enyo salesman. And I thought, Enyo? Why is that a magic cleaner? And then it was Co, and you may or may not have heard of Co. Well, Co came along and Amy, my wife, was sold on it. But her brother, my brother-in-law, teased her because when you use it, it looks like water. And he used to call it, oh, using your magic water, Amy. But when I've seen it used, it actually is, well, it's, it's magic. It cleans things more than water does. And, and I wouldn't have believed it myself except I saw it. I saw it. There is something that happens that's real and true in the experience of seeing, isn't there? Of actually looking into, of seeing is believing. Whether it be Co, and this is not a product placement for Co, nor Enyo, you know, Thermomixes or whatever. But seeing is believing when you see it works, when you see how true, true and real it is. Let's be open and honest, friends. If you're going to spend your cash on something, you want it to be something that real, really, really does work. If you're going to stake your life and destiny on something, particularly when it comes to things of spirituality and your eternity, it really matters to you that seeing is believing, doesn't it? It should matter. Because you do not want to stake your life on a dud. We get one life and we want to make sure that we entrust our life and death and eternity to something that's real, something that's true. Question, what would it take to change your mind on God? What would it take? Today in the scene that we just read, it's all about seeing is believing. And we see here, from the start, Jesus comes to address what we're seeking. We see this in verse 35. Whenever you open the Bible like this in the scene of Scripture before us, whenever we open the Bible, and this is very real for us here at Reforming, we're actually meeting Jesus. So it's like reading someone's testimony. We heard from Mikey and Wendy. It's like reading journalism. You read an article, you're in the scene, you're seeing it. We are meeting Jesus here and more so because he is here by his spirit and this is his word. And in this scene that we meet him, we see happened long ago but is so relevant for us today. As Sarah read from the scriptures, John has been baptizing and John the Baptist 
seeks to be clear on who he is. I'm not the Christ, he says. He has to keep saying, I'm not the Christ. But he's clear on who Jesus is. So that the next day, we pick it up in John 1.29, when he sees Jesus coming toward him, John cries out, Behold! And that word behold means take another look. Look at this guy. And he says, This is the one who takes away the sin of the world. This one. This is the one who, in other words, fixes all the world's problems. Name a problem, Jesus fixes it. This one. And when John sees Jesus for the second time, and again repeats it, Behold, the Lamb of God. We then see this question asked, What are you seeking? You see, when John says, Behold the Lamb of God, these two men, these two disciples of John, start following Jesus. And Jesus turns around and asks them a question, but he's also asking you and I this question. And here's the question. What are you seeking? What is it for you? What do you seek for in life? Now, we could think of these first century folks. Oh, goodness, they're so... They're religious, which means they're antiquated. You know, you know, we all say people of religion today, they're, they're kind of phasing out, which is actually not true. You know, people write that. People say that the religious part of our world is phasing out. People who say that live in the West. We live in a very small population of the world. The religious part of our world outnumbers the West by at least two-thirds. <laughs> And they're very religious. But we here think that religion's phasing out. And so we think of these people, well, they're just religious. And oh, by the way, they're from the first century, the ancient Near East. They're simpletons. So we think, of course, they're seeking some sort of religious experience. Uh, they're, they're seeking for Jesus, who fulfills their Old Testament dreams all come true. But it's not what happens, is it, if you read carefully? What are you seeking? See, when you read this scene, and by the way, if you keep reading John's Gospel, even the disciples, the ones closest to Jesus, his close friends, were often seeking the wrong things. They were often stumbling through life, kind of seeking for glory and power and all sorts of things for themselves. They weren't seeking what Jesus kept showing them they need to seek. You see this also in the priests and the Levites, the Pharisees here in this scene, the religious rulers of the day. These are people who are supposed to have read the Old Testament, which is the first volume, the first half of the Bible. What do you think they're seeking? Are they seeking a Messiah? We'll soon see in John's Gospel, that's not what they want. They're not seeking for a Messiah. In fact, lots of people in Jesus' day, what were they seeking? You name it. They wanted to claim it. Overthrow the Romans. Kick them out of power. Why? Oh, so we can have power. We're seeking for wealth. We're seeking for a, a fun life, an enjoyable life, career. Goodness, are all these things aren't the things that we're seeking too? Humans haven't changed much. We seek after the same things. Of course, I don't wish to give away the ending of all endings just yet. Easter is coming. But that's not God's plan. 
God's plan is not to give humans everything what they want, when they want it, like a four-year-old in a tantrum. Because whenever that happens, and read human history, that goes very badly for us. Very badly. World events show that right now. When humans seek for things they should not seek, it goes bad. But here we see Jesus. What are you seeking? Jesus always gets to the heart of matters. And with all the mistaken identity issues going on here, they don't really get who Jesus is yet. He wants them to ask themselves, what are you seeking? He wants us to ask us, what are you seeking? Maybe they're not sure. In fact, I think the way these two disciples reply, you know, Jesus says, what are you seeking? And they say, um, um, uh, uh, where are you staying tonight? Well, let's just start there. Because they don't really know. What, what are you seeking? Well, can we just hang out with you? And that becomes what next we see is Jesus says to them, okay, come and see. Come and get to know me. Come and meet me. Come and see. Friends, this is what Jesus is saying to you right now. Come and see. Often in our lives, we make ourselves so busy, we have no time to reflect. I've done this. Uh, I've got a mentor, a, a ministry supervisor I speak with, and one of the reflections I've found in my life is I fill up my calendar, my week, my diary, my life so much, I have very little margin just to reflect why my calendars fill up so much. We do this to ourselves. We had COVID come along and then we had home isolation and all those things, and we thought of all this spare time, and then we actually made ourselves more busier. Someone invented Zoom and then there was everything else and we just thought our lives are so full. And often we need time to ask the question, what am I seeking? Like what am I striving for? What's all the running around and getting stressed and anxious and then even angry, which comes out of anxiety often, what's it for? What's the purpose? Is it good for me? God asked Cain, do you do well to be angry? Do you do well to be anxious all the time? Do you do well to be on social media scrolling along and angry enough as you are to then fill your life with more angst and anger to make you more anxiety-driven and angry? We're so busy doing that. Does it do us any good? Question. What are you seeking, friends? Does it satisfy you? Do you feel satisfied? Jesus is the Lamb of God. He is God's solution to the world's problems. He is the Lamb of God and he's asking you, what are you seeking? Our answer might come in a variety of 21st century box set answers. Pleasure, romance, family, house, car, career, status, success, likes. Accolades, affirmation, worth, importance. What are you seeking? For many of us, I think it's an unsatisfactory search. And Jesus comes to you and he says, with all kindness and care, I know. 
I know about it. And so I want you to come and see. Come and see something different. Come and see something better. Now when Peter meets Jesus, in a moment, his life is changed. Jesus sees Peter and says, from now on your name is going to be, we see Simon, and he says, your name is going to be Kephas, which means rock. And he went, wow, that's, that's quite a trans- change your name, change your identity. That's what happens when Peter meets Jesus. What about for you? What about for someone perhaps like you who's a little bit resistant to Jesus? Well, let's meet someone like that right now. We're going to meet Nathaniel. Look at verse 43, John 1, 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee, found Philip, and said to him, follow me. Philip then finds Nathanael in verse 45, and we found him, we found the Messiah, and look at Nathanael's answer. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Goodness, if you, if you were excited and you wanted to share some news with your friend, and their response was, can anything good come out of this? You'd be a bit kind of like, oh, I won't do that again. I was asked to give a TED talk recently, a TED-style talk, at a conference about regions, regional ministry, regional church planting. And I use this text to speak about ministry in the regions because one of the things I've noticed, I uh, grew up in the country, was that Nathaniel's answer is stereotypical of many people when they think about regional ministry. They'll say things like, can anything good come out of Bendigo? There's no beach. There's not even a good river. Well, depending on what you call a good river. Can anything good come out of... Nathaniel is asking that kind of question. When I tell people where I'm from, I usually have to reference it with somewhere else because where I'm from is never important, like Nazareth. See, Nazareth was a tiny town, uh, 2,000 people at best, it doesn't rate in the Old Testament, doesn't even appear in the Old Testament. In fact, many atheists used to get very angry and shout at people, and I had one of them, a friend of mine, Ah, see? The fact that Nazareth appears in the New Testament proves the Bible's not true. How? Because we haven't found it archaeologically. Until I found it archaeologically, of course. Nazareth is an insignificant town. It's, it's a back blocks from nowhere. When I was growing up, and, and to this day, when I tell people where I'm from, I have to tell them where I'm from in relation to somewhere else. So I was born in Luantia. Everyone goes, well, I don't know where that is. It's north of Lusaka in Zambia. And the people say, where's Zambia? It's north of South Africa, like on the continent of Africa. And then where did where'd you grow up? I grew up at Tamora. Well, where's that? It's north of Wagga Wagga. Well, where's that? It's in southern New South Wales. Oh, where, it's west of Sydney. Where are you from now? I'm from Bendigo. Oh, Ballarat. No, no, no. <laughs> How many times have you had that happen to you, Bendigonians? Oh, how's Ballarat going? Ah, oh, here it's going okay, but I'm not from Ballarat. <laughs> We're like Oxford and Cambridge. We're always getting mixed up. Bendigo. Oh, where's Bendigo? North of Melbourne. Oh, yeah. Melbourne's the capital of Australia. No, it's not. That's Nazareth. It's insignificant. But that's the point, isn't it? Jesus comes from insignificant places for insignificant people, for the little ones. 
Now, Nathaniel asks a question that could make Christians nervous. We get these questions, don't we, we Christians, we believers? Questions like, and Mikey talked about this in his testimony, can the God of the Bible, who's supposed to be all good and all powerful and all loving, allow suffering? And what do we Christians go, ooh, how am I going to answer that? That makes me nervous. Uh, Can can, uh, all the claims of Jesus be really exclusivist? Like he says, I'm the only way to God. Isn't that a bit unfair? And we get a bit nervous. Can miracles happen? And we get nervous. And we Christians get nervous. And I think Philip's approach is instructive. It's helpful. Because Philip gets the slap in the face answer. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I'm I'm busy here, Philip. And Philip doesn't go, oh, I'm not going to ask a question again. What does he say? He he says, I haven't got all the answers. I'm not, I'm not like a well-read theologian. I, I, I don't know. What does he say? He says, just come and see. Just come and check him out. Just come and see. Christianity is all about coming and seeing. Christianity is not about leave your thinking at the door and come in and just have an experience. It's about coming and seeing, investigating, examining. Friends, I pray, I'm speaking, I'm asking you to trust in trustworthy things. I don't want you to stake your life on figments and fantasies. I want you to trust in someone who's trustworthy. I'm not going to stake my life and live my life and be ridiculed for it, by the way, and the disciples are willing to die for it, on things that are not trustworthy. I want to come and see. And what we're asking to come and see is not abstract concepts or philosophical ideas or faint feelings, not even a hunch. It's the trustworthiness of Jesus. You wouldn't want anyone to make assumptions about you, would you? God does not want us to make assumptions about him. He wants you to come and see. And then, as we come and see, Jesus says, you will see greater things. We pick it up in verse 47. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. Nathanael was probably kind of like dragging their feet. Oh, can anything good come into Nazareth? And he says, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. What does Jesus mean by that? He's saying... I've seen you, I know who you are, I know there's no deceit. In other words, you could translate it this way, you want the truth, Nathaniel. You don't want lies, you're not interested in just cover up or you know, fake news, you want the truth, I see that in you. And Nathaniel's like, how do you know me? Jesus says, you're under the fig tree, that's where I saw you, and Nathaniel's just mind blown. But Jesus then says to him, look, you believe because of that, that's nothing. You are going to see greater things. Greater things. You are going to see, Jesus says, heaven opened and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Wouldn't that be a sight to see? What is Jesus talking about? Where is the clues found to what Jesus is talking about? It's found in our first reading today that Sarah read. Remember that reading from the Old Testament? There's Jacob. He's had a bit of a stoush with Esau. He's deceived, he's lied, and he's run away. He's going to find himself a wife in the middle of nowhere. Gets a rock. This will do for a pillow tonight. Swags it, goes to sleep. And as he does so, 
He has a dream and there are angels of God ascending and descending on a ladder or a stairway. And that dream he realises that I've had an image of God coming to earth, of this bridge from heaven. Do you see what Jesus is saying? He says to Nathaniel, he says to you and I, I am that bridge. I'm the bridge. You see me and, and John has said he's the Lamb of God, but he says I'm the Lamb of God. How is he the Lamb of God? Because I'm the bridge of God. I'm the one that comes from God into the world, not as a, a faint ghost or spiritual presence or experience or a hunch or some sort of mystic myth. I've come as a flesh and blood human being that you can meet that you can eat with, that you can hear from, I've come into the world. And you will see, if you come and see in John's Gospel, you will meet him and see. He has come for you who are seeking life and life to the full. He's come for you who are seeking that you would believe and have life in his name. John writes at the end of his Gospel, of all the signs, all the things Jesus did, you, you couldn't get enough books, right? But, the, but these things are written so that you and I may believe and have life forever. Jesus doesn't say to you and I, why don't you just pull yourself up? Come on. That's what the world says. Come on. Be more resilient. Get your life together. Learn a few tips and tricks Pull yourself together. Pull yourself up. You've got to do better in 2022. He does not say that to you. What does he say? He doesn't say you've got to climb the ladder. He doesn't say you've got to go up the stairs. He says, I am the stairs. I am the ladder. And I come down to you. He comes by grace. And just like he knows Nathaniel, he knows you. He knows who you are. He knows your life. He knows your story. He knows your fears. He knows your dreams. He knows your secrets. He knows your skepticism. He knows your shame. He knows your name. And he says, I've come. To be the Lamb of God for you. Would you behold the Lamb of God? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? The Savior of the world has come for you. The writer John and John the Baptist, the other John, Andrew, Peter, Philip, Nathaniel. These guys, they came and saw and their lives were changed forever. These were pretty nervous sort of fellas. They're like me, they're, they've got their anxieties and their fears, but their lives were so changed they're willing to die for this. No one's going to die for Co, for Enyo, or a Thermomix. But people are going to die for the sake of saying, Jesus has my life forever safe. They didn't build their life and entrust their life on a guess. They didn't live by lies. They truly came and saw and believed. It's not a fantasy novel they made up. They came and saw and believed. 
And today is your day to come and see, to come and believe. Friends, for us as a church, reforming, for us, I think this is so helpful for us. In 2022, it's a whole lot of people around us who have lost community, they've lost much in life, maybe their job, friends and family, lots of things. And we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have all the right responses to somehow, if I just said it the right way, or, or if I was just better at this, or more knowledgeable than and I had more books or more articles or more Googling, if I just had something, then then they would... You don't have to. You just have to be like Philip and say, come and see. Would you come and see with me this year? Would you come and... Look, fortnightly, let's grab coffee, we'll read the Bible, we'll read John's Gospel, and we'll just come and see. Come to my group. Come to church. Is it a shed with some air conditioning? And we'll come and see. Because if you are exploring Christ, you can come and see. Come with your skepticism. Come with your secrets. Come and see. For he has come for you. We're going to have communion in the Lord's Supper now. I'm going to pray, we'll sing, and then we'll share in the Lord's Supper before we have church lunch. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we recognize that we need community. We need one another. We need friends that will help us to come and see. We need the church so we can come and see together to examine, to read, to hear, to look into life with Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for this community. Thank you for the Bible, your word. Thank you that we can come and see. And we pray now that we would more and more see who Jesus is, that this would be our life in 2022, and that by coming and seeing, we would see our lives changed forever by faith in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.